Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. Your life has highlights, but don't we know it, it also has some lowlights as well. And we often see the highlight reel on social media. I have loved the last couple of months. I've had some friends who've gone overseas and had some fantastic trips. And I've been really enjoying watching their adventures and all the things that they have done. And I said to one of my friends, I said, I was a bit jealous, not necessarily of the places you went, but that your children were all happy to have photos on your holiday. (laughs) I said, you know, that doesn't happen. She goes, yeah, what you didn't know was... A lot of those took 17 shots and then you didn't know what was happening with the the teenage other stuff that was going on. And I thought, yeah, that's really true. And many of you know Pastor Jason Emma from Hepburn Heights had an incredible trip and they were sharing some of the highlights, did amazing things, you know, including going to Disneyland. And then they said what we didn't put on social media was, you know, the first week that our son stepped in hot uh, coals on the beach and burnt his foot and couldn't walk. And then Emma and Jason said the full body public body scan wasn't a very good part of the trip (laughs) because you know we have the highlights we have the lowlights because we're ordinary people just doing life and that's what happens and pastor jace preached an amazing series um a couple of months ago must have been more than that because he's been on holidays (laughs) last two months but um the flourish season series from the sermon of the mount and it unpacked the low light, the low lights of life, and wrestling to understand the paradox of God's goodness alongside all of that, and our ability to live a life of flourishing despite of, and comfortably alongside suffering, is actually well inside the purposes of God. And so these low light moments, they don't ruin our holidays. We've all had those, but they do add a depth and a breadth to it and help paint a full fuller picture of authentic life because that's what we're about isn't it having authentic life so you have two ends of the spectrum you have the highlights and you have the low lights but what about all those ordinary spaces in between those two all that ordinariness and let's be real the majority of our existence is ordinary involving ordinary routines we've got emails and texting and driving but not at the same time (laughs) we're doing loads of washing and we're doing school runs I worked out this week I don't know why because it was just depressing but I've for 17 years I've been doing school runs twice a day day in day out and I've still got another two years to go (laughs) and we all do that right then there's the shopping and the cooking and the eating and then you do the cooking and then they just eat it all and then, you know, it's not even lunchtime and Lockie wants to know what's for dinner and it's, oh, it just keeps on going. Then there's the dishes after that and then there's the sweeping the floor and the pulling out the weeds and maybe going to the gym or doing something fun and if you've got little kids, you're changing the nappies and you're training the kids and you're making the beds. You're making money and you're spending money. That's a little bit more fun. You're boiling kettles and making lists and meeting deadlines and it's ordinary upon ordinary upon ordinary. These are not what we put on Instagram. So with so much of the ordinary in life, our interpretation of it is really important. Because if we've been interpreting the ordinary differently or uncomplimentary to what God thinks of it, then we've actually potentially been interpreting the vast majority of our life incorrectly. And in church, I think we do a really good job of pushing the phrase that God has a great plan and purpose for your life and he wants to use you powerfully, and he does. 
but maybe it doesn't look like we think it might. And we also try to equip you through the tough times to run to God, not from him. You know, when we're experiencing those times in the valley, how to handle those, when you're in the waiting room, to hang on to God and his promises before that big breakthrough comes. And these are extremely important and we need them to get through those seasons. But can I be really frank with you? So much of life isn't spent on the great ups and downs. It's just plain ordinary. The run of the mill ordinary. And I went to a women's conference a couple of months ago and one of the ladies got up there and I was surprised at her honesty and she shared that she really didn't enjoy that season of bringing up kids at home. She found it really boring. She talked with her husband and they decided that was the best for the kids and that's the way they, were gonna want, they wanted to do it. And she knew it was right for that season and she needed to invest in her little ones but she didn't really feel that it was a time of thriving for her. She felt she was missing out and it was difficult financially. There were times when she was bored, lonely and the kids were frustrating. Life was pretty ordinary. And I really appreciate the honesty because I think for us, we don't as mums actually ever want to say that but there are seasons when we feel like that. And we see it in so many around us. I have many women say that to me. And if most of the days are like this, then it's pretty important to know what God's perspective on it is. Is something wrong with my life because it's mainly like this? No, that's normal. So then how do we deal with this, live the life to the full that Jesus talks about? If we look at the people in the Bible and we see their highlights and we see their lowlights... And it's these highs and lows that we often base our preaching and teaching on and they become the model of living a life of faith. And we can read these extraordinary stories of Moses parting the sea and Mary having a visitation from an angel because she's going to carry the Messiah and David fighting Goliath and winning. And these things are extraordinary. Paul writing a third of the gospel. Amazing. But if we follow their stories and we allow them to shape and define our own interpretation of this life of faith, these moments can become a benchmark. But the problem is that many of us were not going to have such moments. So we can be left feeling unworthy or um, just feeling a bit disempowered before we really begin. So what if there were way more ordinary moments in there than perhaps we've realised before? Well, there are. How many people have slayed a giant in the last decade? No one? (laughs) So we look at Moses and he was incredible. He was in the palace for many years and then we see his last 40 years leading the people of Israel. In between that was 40 years in the backside of the desert, shepherding, looking after stupid sheep day in, day out, for until... After 365 days times 40 years, finally one day he sees a burning bush and like, well, that's a little bit different. Life's been a bit ordinary, but what's this about? And things change. But there was that commitment and faithfulness day in, day out, caring for those sheep. And Mary, she's just living an ordinary teenage life. She's sweeping floors, she's drawing water, she's preparing meals. Then she has a visit from the angel to tell her that she's going to carry the Messiah. I mean, that was pretty exciting. Then she's got nine months of being pregnant. And after Jesus' birth and escaping Herod and living in um, Egypt, she comes back after two years and is in Galilee. And you know what? We don't hear anything much about what happens in the next 30 years we see one incident of the temple with Jesus and we know that Jesus 
grew with wisdom and favour and stature with God and men. That's fantastic. But she's just doing the normal mum's life. She had more kids when they got back there. She's sweeping floors and she's cooking the meals and drawing the water and just living an ordinary mum's life. And sure, she's bringing up the Messiah, but we don't, we don't know what her everyday life was like. We do know that she was doing that for at least 30 years because I know one of her kids, he was home till he was 30, so it was a long time for her. <laughs> so one of my favourites, and probably one of yours, is David. And David says himself in 1 Samuel 17, I had been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And that's what he did. Sometimes there was some excitement. He says, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. But I think most of the time, it was pretty ordinary. Then we see a little bit earlier here in 1 Samuel 17, Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And Jesse said to his son David, Take this grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses, yummo, to be commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of the shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. So here we see that David is just going back and forth. He was actually walking 20 kilometres around trip every day to do this. And he's travelling there, helping with his dad's sheep and assisting his brothers. And he's just pretty much going unnoticed and certainly unpraised. But you know, during that time, he's learning commitment. Mundane, beige commitment. And you know the sort of commitment where you're not thanked or seen. The commitment when you're doing something for the umpteenth time. Commitment when you're doing it when you don't feel like it. Commitment when you're capable of so much more commitment. The Urban Dictionary defines commitment like this. Continually sticking with something long after the mood you first agreed to do it in has left you. (laughs) Isn't that true? (laughs) It's the once a month ordinary life kids roster. Every week setting up and packing down the chairs in this auditorium for us. The cafe, the sound gear, the ordinary being a barista once again. Woo! (laughs) At home, the ordinary sitting down with your kids and doing the homework night after night. The ordinary making a cup of tea for your wife. Don't give up on that, that's great. (laughs) The ordinary handing in that assessment when you're at school and uni. So if we look back and forth at this as if it's nothing, we can interpret this, actually interpret this as everything. As our commitment muscles are being grown, our commitment capacity is being developed. And Jesus calls for commitment. The Christian life requires commitment. And what a powerful and poignant example of light to the world commitment is, right? Our world is craving commitment in our marriages, in our families, in our jobs, in all all the areas, for causes. Our world needs shining and developed examples of those who are committed to something and someone bigger than ourselves. And we learn this by just chipping away time after time those repetitive mundane tasks in the back and the forth. And we see David was asked to bring bread and cheese, just mundane, ordinary bread and cheese. 
In verse 20, so David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early. I believe he had a really great attitude. He took provision and he was bringing product for someone else. There's no glory for him here. There's no payoff. There's no purpose for him other than just demonstrating servanthood, ordinary servanthood, defined as giving and devoting oneself to another, placing another's need and desires above our own. And he doesn't do this ordinary act because he's, he's a giant slayer, knowing his extraordinary history-making event is just around the moment he's around the corner. He just sets out as an ordinary boy, bringing ordinary bread and cheese with a great attitude. Ordinary people committed and serving. It's an important value in my life. Um, my life verse, if I... Well, I've always had this since I was young, was... Is Matthew 6.33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. And for me, that means God and his purposes, his people, his church, is my priority. And so all my ordinary day-to-day stuff is centred around that and always has been, even before I was a pastor. The way my days are ordered, the way I think what I listen to, the management of my diary revolves around learning, um, leaning into that purpose. And David's intentionality with his life, even though he's living day to day like an ordinary shepherd boy, meant he had the attitude of a giant slayer long before he slayed a giant. And it can be the same for us. For those of you that are serving here again today, in the unseen, unnoticed behind the sound desk or in the kitchen, in the nursery, to those arriving early before everyone's here and staying late when everyone else has left, bringing that ordinary bread and cheese, thank you. We applaud you. Those self-sacrificing mums who are doing the runny noses and the nappies and the school runs and the toilet training and the delicious dinners, to the dads who leave for work early and come home late, working to provide for their families, we thank you and we applaud you. And the many, many other ordinary examples of ordinary servanthood represented in our midst. Know this, servanthood is only forged and learned and developed in the bland, the quiet, the unknown and the unseen. It's in those un-Instagram-worthy events in the again and again. And this is a muscle we need to stretch because servanthood is one of the central attributes of Christian faith. The Apostle Paul refers to himself as a servant of Christ at least four times. And Jesus teaches this radical concept through the word. And you see it in John 15 where he says, um, Greater love has no man than laying down his life for others. Or as the Passion Translation says, The greatest love of all is the love that sacrifices all. It's beautiful, isn't it? And so often that ordinary servanthood muscle is developed in the most ordinary of moments of wiping noses, sharing a meal, sweeping a floor, just doing the ordinary, not with giants on our mind, but others. And Paul, you know, we read of his many adventures and his beatings and having to run for his life and the persecution, all those things that came against him. And he was an amazing writer. But he actually it worked making tents and he wrote from prison often, not like the prisons that we have here in Australia. His words life last a lifetime, but life wasn't always glamorous. He wanted to go to Rome, but he couldn't. And he's probably very frustrated. But out of that came the book of Romans. 
and he was frustrated with the Corinthians and he wrote incredible letters to them but it was out of frustration at their sexual promiscuity, their legalism, their lack of love and as a minister that, that drives you crazy when you see your congregation making poor decisions, you know, and suffering because of it. But he wrote nearly a third of the New Testament, which sounds so glamorous, but what did that actually look like day to day? Very ordinary, just sitting and writing. No laptops either, so it's all handwritten. No, I don't even know how the ink thing works, but it would have been pretty <laughs> intense. But Acts 18.1, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching the word of God. So every day he's making tents, and at night he's teaching the word of God. When he was under house arrest or imprisoned, he was sitting and writing. He didn't know his letters, his ordinary words, were going to be challenging, encouraging, bringing life to all of us thousands of years later. He just did what was in front of him. He was committed and serving. And this is a man that taught Timothy, says in 1 Timothy 6.6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And also in Philippians we read here, I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. Oh, I've got a lot to learn, <laughs> being content when I'm hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, we use this a lot. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. But the context of this is, I can do this. I can be content because God strengthens me. That's the context of that. Embracing the ordinary, seeing the glorious in it. You say, well, what's my calling? How do I make a difference in? We do what Jesus commanded. John 13, 35. Love one another as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Love your neighbour as yourself, Jesus said many times. Love God and love others. That's, everything hangs on that. And here's a quote from Shannon Martin the ministry of, from the Ministry of Ordinary Places. It's a great devotional if you want to read it on New Version. It was waking up to God's goodness around you. Somewhere on the path toward the weird way of Jesus where... Conventional wisdom is replaced with foolish love and unpopular alliances. I uncovered my calling. It wasn't new. It had always been there. But now I was ready to see it. Because I'm your friend in the end, I'm here to save you the trouble. It's your calling too. As Christ followers, we are called to be long-haul neighbours committed to authenticity and willing to take some risks. Our vocation is to invest deeply in the lives of those around us devoted to one another, physically close to each other as we breathe the same air and walk the same blocks. Our purpose is not so mysterious after all. We get to love and be deeply loved right where we're planted by whoever happens to be near. We will inevitably encounter brokenness we cannot fix, solve or understand and we'll feel as small, uncertain and outplaced as we've ever felt. But we'll find our very lives in this calling to be among people as Jesus was, and it will change everything. 
The details will look quiet and ordinary. They will exhaust and exhilarate us, but it will be the most worth it adventure we will ever take. Let's go. <laughs> Commitment, servanthood and contentment right there. So we are called to shine bright where we are. If we're showing his love, being committed, having a great attitude of servanthood, content in whatever state that we find ourselves in, we're showing people how to flourish and function in the ordinary. In our jobs, find hope and purpose. The goodness of God can be found. We've just got to ask to see him in there. And not contrive. We're not taking hold of, we're taking hold of what's deposited within us. Mums, be in the flow, totally absorbed in the moment. Make a conscious decision to enjoy every moment with your kids. You're preparing kids for life. Be organised, develop routines, work on their toileting and their sleep and their eat and their manners and teach them the word of God. Invest those biblical principles and character things into them while you have that opportunity because you want Jesus to captivate their heart from the youngest of ages. You get that opportunity and there's a choice embrace this moment you think oh do i have to postpone my happiness we're not a victim of our environment we can so often say well i'm going to be happy when i finish school when i can drive a car i'm going to be happy when i finish my study i'm going to be happy when i get a job or when i'm married when i have kids when the kids go to school <laughs> i'll be happy when i can go back to work i can be happy when i have a holiday that's a big one for people i'll be happy when the kids leave home I'll be happy when I have grandchildren. I'll be happy when I retire. Get happy now. Make the choice. Everyday moments. Find the divine in the everyday slog. Look for ways to serve one another, expecting nothing in return. You know, society is hedonistic. It is so pleasure-seeking. It's looking for the next best thing. And people aren't happy until they're booking the next holiday. And they, you know, can't get through the day-to-day -day unless they know that that's coming up. Enjoyment is only found in the next pleasure. But we want a personal purpose, to be an example to those who don't know how to function in the ordinary, to emotionally unwavering and to model that to other people. Cultivate joy, show appreciation, display gratitude, learn contentment. Be, it's profound hope and perspective and I'm going to speak about those next week, about how to do those practically, put them into practice. And another quote from Shannon Martin, this world, it will change us in so many uncomfortable, astonishing ways, but we're still here doing the things we've already done in the hidden corners of our precious, ordinary lives. We're still here in our kitchens. We're still here in our skin. The pain we face might look different now, but so much of life exists just to keep us in place. We will continue to be bombarded with global crises and national funk, and we need to keep our head in the game. But God did not send his son to earth as a politician or a non-profit CEO. He sent our saviour as an everyday man and circled him up with an unlikely chosen few, misfits, regular folks trying to do better just like us. Then as now he drew mankind's attention down to the street level with the divine mission to push back the darkness one small moment of a time at a time. For me in this year of now what? Freedom is the sizzle of peppers hitting a hot skillet. It's yellow cake with salted chocolate ganache. It's walking shoes, a magnifying glass, a broom to sweep up the crumbs. What I know now is that sometimes the best thing we can do for the world we're in is let our roots keep growing with no regard to the climate around us. We sleep, 
we work, we bloom, we light up the world. And it's in this gloriously ordinary, in the mundane, majority of the days we are made who we are. Um, Oswald Chambers, a hundred years ago, says, It does require the supernatural grace of God to live 24 hours of every day as a saint, going through drudgery and living an ordinary, unnoticed and ignored existence as a disciple of Jesus. It is ingrained in us that we have to do exceptional things for God, but we do not. We have to be exceptional in the ordinary things of life and holy on the ordinary streets among ordinary people. And this is not learned in five minutes. (laughs) So this concept is a wrestle because understanding this, we're coming to terms with the possibility that we may never slay a giant. We may never get a microphone. We may never do anything that's especially heroic or public. And it isn't because of sin. And it's not because, you know, we're never going to make it or God overlooks us or we haven't been diligent. It's because the Christian faith isn't defined in the sparkly, the measured successful um, great of greatness. It's defined far more in the ordinary. It's called faithfulness. When Jesus describes a servant who does well with his investments of his life, gifts, time and energy, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Not my great servant, not my successful servant. Our hallmark is faithfulness. And the journey of discipleship Paul outlines in Hebrews 11, it's not sending the message of do something awesome, but rather just keep on going. It's not about win the race, it's just just keep running. It's not slaying the giant, but keep going back and forth. Faithfulness, bringing that bread and cheese in every day-to-day life. As I said, next week I want to really explore practically how to do that, to cultivate the joy, celebrate, show appreciation, display gratitude, learn contentment. It's called joy to the world. So it's like the beginning of a Christmas message. But I think we need some of that in coming up to the crazy Christmas season. So if we could um, just have the band come. You and me, ordinary people with ordinary lives, but we have a heart after Jesus. And that's a picture of faithfulness. So... Let's not diminish that ordinary because it's truly glorious. And when we take a hold of it and we recognise it, we can live the most ordinary lives with the most extraordinary purpose. We can have the most tangible peace and unconditional love. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.